Uh, so you're ready to talk about making with the funny? Sounds great to me, yeah. Yo, welcome to my summer lair. I'm your host, Sammy AF Yunan. And for today's episode, we're going to break down just what AF stands for. It's not what you're thinking of. The F, for example, could stand for as fun because you're going to be invited to some comedy fun. Gay AF Comedy in association with Campbell House Museum present Courtyard Comedy, an outdoor, physically distanced summer comedy series of four shows taking place Saturday afternoons in August 2021 in the Campbell House Gardens at the downtown corner of Queen Street West and University Avenue. Or perhaps the AF could stand for fantastic as fantastic because Courtyard Comedy is hosted by Robert Watson, whose business card reads, playwright, performer, fragrance aficionado, and producer of queer comedy shows. Which is what Courtyard Comedy is, another gay comedy showcase. So if the F stands for foreign, as foreign, because you have limited exposure to this distinctive comedy scene, never no worries. Robert Watson will take us on a Universal Studios tour. Though, before we talk about the present, we gotta talk about the past, starting with Jack Tripper and Three's Company. Oh yes. Let's kick it old school, shall we? This time, the F stands for fresh, as fresh. Because I don't know if talking about like talking about comedy isn't as funny as doing comedy <laughs> so i thought maybe yeah i mean it's one of those things where like it's almost like you're explaining the joke i guess that's the what you're talking about right like you know when you start to explain the joke then it starts to lose its flavor and its comedy and it's like trust me i'm really funny right like yeah exactly it's hard to convey that <laughs> right for sure and then, like, you know, and, like, when you're doing an interview like this, too, there's no, like, red light. There's no, like, depending on the questions you get, there's not a lot of, uh, like, places where you can kind of riff and, like, build on it or whatever. Like, do the side yeah, yeah. thing. Like, let me tell you about this. You know what I mean? So, I know what you mean. Yeah, so. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, let's get into all this then. Like, uh, I guess we'll start at the beginning. We can start with your origin story. Uh, because Peter Parker was famously bitten by a radioactive spider. And of course, that's how he became Spider-Man. So for you, in your early youth, like what comedy did you engage with that sparked this interest or prompted you to get on stage and like start telling jokes? Oh, that, that's such a great question. Yeah, I, so so many things. I was, uh, I'm a kid of the 80s, so I grew up uh, in front of the television. Yep. So there were a lot of things that inspired my comedy. Uh I found myself watching a lot as a kid. I mean, first of all, the stuff that my parents would let me watch. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, I mean, something like The Muppet Show was mm. like something that I was like, you know, I'd be watching that. I'd be finding certain things funny. And then watching my parents watch it, have them find different things that were funny. Mm -hmm. And starting to realize, oh, okay, humor is different for everyone. <laughs> uh, whether I, you know, I probably put it into those kind of words as a six-year-old being like, oh, humor is different for everyone. Mm. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but definitely noticing like, oh, my parents found that funny. Why is that funny? And, mm. you know, almost, you know, sitcoms were so plentiful in syndication during the 80s yeah uh there was always lots to watch to be able like oh what's okay that's funny uh to to my parents or that's funny to my friends and figuring that out one 
show for sure I watched so much of, and I don't, it's probably because it was just on at the right time of day, was Three's Company. Oh, yeah. Uh, Classic. Which, yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, and it was in syndication, so it wasn't like the original, but like, you know, Three's Company was like, for a while there in syndication, like how The Simpsons was for a while. Remember when like, you couldn't, you couldn't go to a station without finding The Simpsons mm-hmm. playing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like, and it was also sort of like both that. a little risque, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they upset groups of parents, I guess, for a little bit of time there. Yeah, and it's funny because Three's Company in particular for me is it it, it rings true in so many ways because I watched it and I thought when I was kids like I want to be a chef, you know <laughs> I want to be like Jack Tripper yes. and be a chef, mm-hmm. and uh, and and turned out you know I ended up being someone who well in real life and actually not pretending to be gay but actually gay. Yes. Uh, I'd like uh, I'd like Jack Tripper, John Ritter's great uh, character that he played in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and funny, funnily enough, that was probably my first exposure to this idea of queerness or gayness, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting for when looking back on, you know, in the 80s, it wasn't like they were necessarily using it as a joke that everyone could laugh with. Mm-hmm. It was something you could laugh at. Yeah. But this was the first time I, I had heard that word and saw like, oh, what is it? Oh, OK. Gay means that you like you know Jack, the character jack is supposed to like guys mm-hmm. to trick his landlord into letting him live with two women but he's not really gay and mm-hmm. you know there's some jokes at the expense probably of gay people if, we, if i look back at them now i might be horrified but you know <laughs> uh but like it's weird three's company like introduced me to comedy and it introduced me to to gayness so i don't know i don't think three's company made me gay okay but uh <laughs> I think that was because the, the the sexual innuendos and all those type of jokes. I think yeah. that was like I think that was almost like a I think the gay thing was almost like a foil in a way. Do you know what I mean? Just to kind of yeah, heighten the, all the sexual tension, I guess, going on with the ladies. For sure, like and and just just that idea of like it always for Three's Company at least always made uh, that danger of like what if Jack gets caught with a woman yes. by the landlord which mm-hmm. is so like the opposite of like what if i got caught with a guy by yes. my parents or something <laughs> like that so yeah. like it actually threw it on its on its head in an interesting way uh, but i mean I, I know so that one and golden girls of course is uh you know you, you say that to almost uh, any queer person like golden girls golden yeah. girls because <laughs> it was it was talking about gay subject matter in, in a very positive way, uh, starting in the eighties. And then all of the, it, I mean, when you want to talk innuendo, oh mm, my gosh. Yeah. They were filthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely filthy and getting away with it and all this, with all the censors. I like that kind of stuff's an in, inspiration for me, for my comedy. Cause I'm not particularly dirty in, in my comedy. I, I love innuendo. I love double entendres. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, yeah. When I discovered golden girls on DVD, uh, I was like, oh, I, I, and then I was like, oh, I think I see why my parents didn't let me watch this one, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, those are my early influences for comedy. I mean, for a, a stand-up comedian, uh, and there, I mean, there's so many greats, but for me, the one that spoke to me first uh, was watching Eddie Izzard perform. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Eddie Izzard, I mean, uh, now identifies as uh, a trans woman and uses uh, she, her pronouns. But uh, at first, Eddie Izzard was uh, uh, called himself a, a transvestite comedian. Mm-hmm. So uh, appeared on all their appearances, you know, in like 
the in you know boots in in not like full on like a dress or anything like that but like definitely like feminine uh attributes and i remember and, Bo uh, was for a little bit is that accurate i'm trying to remember yeah maybe at one or two two shows they would wear a bow or something but like like full makeup and they would talk about their identity as being uh a, a transvestite who wants to wear uh wear women's uh clothes and express themselves uh in feminine ways but still was uh attracted to women and i mean i guess that's the language of the early 2000s and and uh you know eddie uh has since you know with our uh, expansion of vocabulary about uh, identification and how people identify uh, as in sexual minorities, uh, you know, now is now identifies as a trans woman. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think in the early 2000s, it was like, you know, if you're a, a, a trans person, you're gay. It's like, no, actually, your uh, your sexual identity is that of being the gender you weren't assigned at birth. But you know, you can be a transgender woman and be a lesbian. And you can be a transgender man and and be attracted to men uh so uh he's he's grown that way but just watching watching the confidence and uh you know just talking as you know being a uh transgender person or or uh as he called it at the time uh trans transvestite i think he used that more for comedy um is it was just like you can be who you are and put yourself on stage and that's something for a queer person can be very difficult because it's a it's exposing a part of yourself it's like are do these people in the audience may even like gay people like are i going to be accepted uh just for who i am and that's that's something that uh eddie Izzard i think helped uh bust some barriers at least in in my mind so i could be a comedian so definitely eddie Izzard's a big inspiration comedy wise Okay, that's cool. And then, so then, what came first? Then was it the the comedy for you, or it sounds like very early on it was comedy for you, but like, or was it like children's theater and kind of playwriting? Because you do that as well, right? So yeah, what was kind of like the first inkling was then that like you, what you're saying? Then it seems like comedy was kind of like, all right, I'm gonna go in this direction. I'm gonna start making jokes. I'm gonna get up on stage. But then, where did all the playwriting kind of come from? Oh, that, yeah, actually, we're it's it's reversed. I was a theater artist uh, first. And uh, so when you know, did the requisite theater school that you think you're supposed to do when you're a kid, <laughs> uh, you know, and then learned learned a lot, learned about a lot about what I didn't didn't want to do by being in theater school. But yeah, and got into playwriting first. So, so for me, I always enjoyed being a comedic actor, like you put me in a in a scene, and I'm going to chew on that scenery for you. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then when it when it sort of graduated into writing, all of that sitcom watching, you know, clicked in. And I was like, you know what, I want to make people laugh with the things I write. Mm -hmm. And so so all the playwriting actually came first. I, I had a, a breakout hit, at least by my standards, in uh, the fringe of uh, the Fringe Festival in 2006 called Desperate House Pets. <laughs> yeah. And that was around the time that Desperate Housewives was around. But I was like, I'm going to write about, you know, what do pets talk about when their owners aren't around? <laughs> yes. And, you know, just and made some, you know, make as much comedy as I can out of that. And, you know, and it got uh, it got, you know, critics picks and all the papers. We got to like a full page spread in the Toronto star back when they still covered theater. Um, wow, yeah. Well done. So yeah, it was, it was great to be like, okay, so maybe people connect to my sense of humor. And then gradually what, what I realized is like, you know, a lot of writers do stand up comedy and I enjoy being in front of people doing characters or talking about things anyways. So let's, 
let's give this a try. So I, I you know, went to Second City uh, to take their their stand up course, and it was just it just felt so natural to me. It's just sort of been something that's taken off from there, and uh, it, it's been been great that I can then use all of my knowledge from all that theater stuff to help produce uh, comedy shows for you know all of the other queer comedians in the community to to be a part of as well. It's been really quite satisfying. Yeah, so then picking up on that thread then, like, has the past, I guess, I don't know, 16, 18 months? Uh, it's been a while, right, since everything kind of <laughs> oh, shut God. down. Uh, we've lost all sense of time. But I guess, say, the, no last, the last 16, 18 months, has that altered your relationship to the stage, either through comedy or playwriting or acting? Like, the way you think about comedy, what you think about performing, the type of jokes, has your relationship to the stage altered at all? It absolutely has. So I was doing shows out of uh, out of Comedy Bar over on uh, Bloor Street, uh, 965 Bloor Street West. And it's a great independent uh, venue that comedians can uh, produce their own shows out of. And Comedy Bar does a lot of the uh, admin work so that the artists can be artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Gary, uh, Gary Rideout who runs that uh, Comedy Bar. And he's a fantastic uh, member of the community supporting comedy, but and also a supporter of queer comedy. He really wanted to get uh, shows with uh, queer comedians and gay comedians uh up at comedy bar uh and on may 9th no sorry not may 9th march 9th of uh 2020 i had my last show i have have a uh my brand that i do all my comedy shows under is called gay af comedy (laughs) that af stands for whatever you think it stands for (laughs) (laughs) i had to put the af there for um and not do the the full the full as fuck because you know otherwise i don't get into newspapers so um but yeah on on march 9th i had a crowd of 90 people uh and you know they're still they were talking about COVID in the news and you know i even did a parody song i changed uh that 80s song i want to know what love is into i've got coronavirus <laughs> and <laughs> and, the, and you know and you could hear the crowd we recorded you, could, you could just hear the crowd uh you know, just lapping it up. And then, you know, like two days later, it's like, we're shutting down the borders. And we're like, wait a minute, I was just in a tight basement theater with 90 (laughs) people. And two days later, everyone's like, yeah, everything's safe. You know, like the government's saying, don't worry yet. You know, everyone go on your spring break. It's like, thanks, Doug Ford. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He's really on top of it, yeah. Oh, he sure is. I've got coronavirus. So please don't come near me. I've got coronavirus. Should I be in quarantine? I've got coronavirus. So And then, you know, two days later, it's like everything's shutting down. And so, you know, there's no live venues anymore. Like it just, you know, the, they'd be shut down. You know, the only people doing doing stuff like that were the anti-maskers. And, you know, I don't really want to be associated with them. Um, <laughs> so there was a, a great move of comedians online. I mean, just like everyone else was discovering Zoom 
uh, comedy was discovering Zoom and discovering how do we put this stuff online. And there's been so much, like, you know, I, I produced a couple online shows and they have some different, uh, you know, different kind of uh, tech problems than doing a live show for sure. Uh, and getting audience out of an online show is always a different kind of challenge because um, when something feels like an event, people get excited about it. So how do you make pressing, okay, let's watch the Zoom show into an event, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. that, that can, that, that's a challenge. But even comedy itself, uh, trying to do stand-up when you're, you know, in, you know, whether it's your living room with a camera on you or wherever it is uh, you're putting that camera to, to film yourself, the audience connection isn't there in the same way. And that's something that uh, stand-up comedians just thrive on. And, you know, you know you're doing well and maybe you know to, you know, continue down this lane that you're uh, making, you know, doing your jokes about uh, because of the way the audience is responding uh, in a live audience. And, or you or opposite, you know, you hear the silence and you go, okay, they're not digging this. Yeah. So a Zoom show is just all silence. <laughs> oh boy. I guess that's like being on the radio, right? Like if you make a joke on the radio, you assume people are listening. It's going out somewhere. But Yeah, you just got hope, you know? <laughs> yeah, but you have no feedback of any kind. So no matter how funny you think you are, it's just going out on the signal. Yeah, no kidding. And, and then the other side of that, there's, I've been on shows where people are like, hey, everyone, uh, we want all the audience to turn your mics on so we can hear you laugh. So you hear their laughter, but you also hear like, hey, do you want anything from the fridge? <laughs> or, you know, oh, I, you know what, I don't like this person as much. I'm going to go use the washroom. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like mm, uh, turn your mics off now, please. <laughs> Yeah. So there's that side of it. I, I do think my theater background actually really helped for doing these Zoom shows because, you know, with the way the way I rehearse as a theater artist, you you just you stay true to the materials, stay true to the script. Mm -hmm. And I found for Zoom shows, if I was staying true to my script uh, and, you know, and trust and just trusting my own material, I, I found that it would go well. And if you do it, with, if you do it on Facebook, that people do the little emoji, happy faces and laugh faces. And, you know, you see it about. 10 seconds later and then you you just are just like oh they liked my joke from 10 seconds ago that's great <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true too yeah i mean i've seen some of the other incarnations where like people do it in the parking lot and then they like honk the horns or they flash the lights yeah right? yeah they, they came up with, with they, they got some really creative ways when they could start doing gatherings again like you know there was a, a period last summer when we could do events again and i did do an indoor show at comedy bar comedy bar has just opened up again uh for august so they're doing indoor shows with a lot of protocols uh now and so i did the you know like they're not even allowed two people on stage at the same time so i would have to walk sta off stage as the host and then the performer walks up and we have of course like little covers for the mics and everything has to be wiped down and the seating of course was you know drastically reduced in an indoor venue uh so you know, it's it's a weird kind of experience because it's like it's almost like the way they have these protocols on film sets so it's like you're going through all these different um things which are of course to keep people safe mm -hmm. but it just feels surreal that you're doing this all so you can come sit in a bar and you know tell a few jokes you know yeah. it, it does seem sort of this is a lot of a lot of work to get to get this done and then when you get on stage you're like oh oh that was so worth it yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, comedy was the one I think that, or, and maybe plays too, because you do some playwriting as well. But I thought those yeah. two kind of mediums 
were, I don't know what the word, I guess in danger, like once the pandemic hit, because if you're a musician, you can still record stuff. You can even mm -hmm. do like some live IG shows kind of thing, like that kind of stuff, yeah. right? A lot of like uh, art stuff, like we figured out how to do film sets now and our productions are back in business and things like mm -hmm. that. But I felt like comedy, uh, because like you said, you need the audience, you need to connect. Um, sometimes some comics too do, do the riff thing where they kind of like make fun of somebody in front of the, like, uh, yeah, you know I mean? exactly. So, and you need to have the interplay and like, yo, where are you from? And they're like, I'm from Chicago. Oh, Chicago. And they go off for like five minutes about Chicago, you know? So exactly. you, need to, you need to have all those things. Cause those are what, those are the elements that make a comedy show great because it's the unpredictability. You don't always know what the comic is going to say or the com the comedians you're mm. going to see. Uh, and then you don't know what kind of weird people are going to show up to these shows and like interact or heckle or have some weird story or something. Right. So you need those elements and those were all kind of missing. So I was, I was kind of worried about comedy for a little bit. Yeah. Hey, and right, rightly so. Cause I mean, a lot of us were really wondering how are we going to, you know, try out this medium of through the internet. And, you know, there was a lot of resistance, really a lot of resistance I saw from, you know, more of the old school comics because they're like, this just can't work. You know, mm -hmm. like it, it's, I've been doing this for 20, 30 years. This is, this isn't going to work. Of course, when you need to make it work, you do. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, you know, after getting a bit of the way through the pandemic, it's like, oh yeah, this thing isn't ending anytime soon. Is it? It's like, okay, time to adjust the skill set, And, uh, it and over the winter uh, of 2020, 2021, I, I just definitely saw a lot more of the old school comedians being like, okay, we're doing this. And, and you know what? They were thriving at it. Uh, they were, they were doing quite well. And it was really great to just see their faces even over, even if it was just over zoom, as opposed to at a live show, it was just great to see them uh, back at it. And, you know, you got to keep in practice somehow. So, yeah. And that was the other thing you need to keep the skills up. So mm -hmm. I want to segue from the skills to some of the themes because, as you mentioned already, right? So prior to the pandemic, you were hosting Gay AF and you let us hmm. choose whatever the AF stands for. Um, and <laughs> yeah. I've seen like uh, some of the like uh, blog TO posts and now Toronto things. And it's like the quote basically is it's a monthly showcase for gay male comedians that puts the G and LGBTQ. Uh, and you've kind of already talked about this, but yeah. So I know Toronto has a vibrant gay community, but how would you mm -hmm. describe the queer comedy scene? Yeah, that's a great question because it sounds like a it it doesn't sound like it should exist in a way. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, and for a long time it really didn't, and simply because uh, you know the the world has progressed in such a way. You know, we had gay, we achieved gay marriage in in Canada in two thousand and five, but you know that didn't happen in the United States until uh, two thousand and fifteen. So, and and so much of our culture is in Canada's uh, reflected by or influenced by you know what's happening uh, south of the border, mm -hmm. but when it comes to something like a comedy community, uh, Toronto has a, a thriving local. Uh, comedy community and they have a thriving local queer community so it's it just seems natural that like well is there an intersection there and there in in 2018 uh an open mic started at uh pegasus uh bar which is in the heart of the the gay neighborhood and uh an open mic that was open to to queer comedians and wow we all just started coming out of the woodwork uh <laughs> You know, it's like, oh, oh, wow. Yeah, no, I just finished taking courses at Second City and and or, you know, I've been doing this for a couple of years, but there's just never been a space for me where I felt great about doing it because, you know, my comedy is going to be talking about my identity and maybe that's not going to be accepted at 
some of these other comedy places where not just the audience, but maybe the comedians aren't going to be so friendly about that. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing about, about comedy too, stand up is you, this word, it's funny. There's this, this idea of like, we need a safe space to, uh, to do our comedy as queer comedians, but comedians in general need a safe space to practice mm-hmm. their jokes before they take it out into the world to a paying audience. And, uh, so it was it was time for there to be a, a queer open mic that was open to, to to any allies as well who wanted to to come and uh and lay down a five minute set uh but having that open mic for as long as it unfortunately isn't there anymore we were we were always sharing the um the space with um people who had just finished doing their their gay sports league i forget what they were which league it was and pegasus has pool tables at the other side we were like we were always competing comedy with <laughs> with like with sports teams and it's like okay we're gonna try this out sports teams sometimes were like hey we're you know they would they would cheer about something at at their pool their pool table and we'd be like what did i was that joke i said funny was that really good <laughs> it's like no no someone just you know yeah. sunk the eight ball <laughs> it's like all right all right mm-hmm. Uh, so it had its time, and I'm really hoping that when the pandemic's over, that we find a nice uh, queer-friendly open mic again that uh, a couple members of you know the community can can put on and and have that space again. It's a little bit difficult right now, um, especially because you know it's mostly patio patio stuff that's happening at this point uh, in uh, the gay neighborhood, and all of those businesses have suffered so much over the pandemic. So yeah. it's like. I think they're trying to get their footing, but I do think that queer comedy is going to make a nice comeback in uh, in our gay neighborhood and and beyond in the city. I mean, we've got uh, so many comedians that are at a level where they're a, a solid middle, so they've got a, like a good ten to fifteen minutes. And uh, oh my gosh, I mean, if you want me to drop names, I'll drop some of my some of my favorites. Uh, Go for it. Yeah. Oh, I mean. So there's, I mean, there's definitely the comedians who have come before me that I have to give give credit to. I mean, if you go go far far enough back, uh, just to the We're Funny That Way Festival, which was the first uh, really queer showcase uh, in Canada, and that started in 1997. That's run by Maggie Casella, who is just uh, a queer comedy icon uh, and uh, and producer. Like they were they uh, they were putting comedy on stages. There's someone that, as a producer I really look up to is Maggie. But then, you know, that, and that brought us uh, Elvira Kurt, who is uh, actually our first headliner on the show that's coming up that I'll be ta- probably being asked about in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also people like uh, Ted Morris and uh, Andrew Johnston and Richard Ryder, they're all, you know, real veterans who actually went through being a queer comedian when there isn't a queer support system. So, you know, they're, they're the real trailblazers, uh, for, for all of us doing what we're, what we're doing here in, in our little queer comedy community in Toronto. Uh, but I mean, if there's one person that I would just say that I'm really watching, watching for that I've been able to put on my stage, who's young guy, he's like mid twenties, uh, Ben Sosa, Wright. And he was, uh, he's someone who I watched go from like doing a good five minutes to a good 10 minutes. And now he's got, you know, 15 and is, is starting to headline uh, different places. And he's certainly someone that I'm, I'm watching for. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, other comedians, Rush Kazi, who's, uh, who produces Asian comedy all-stars and then, and does then Gaijin comedy all-stars <laughs> uh, every once in a while uh, as well. They're, they're another one to watch for. And Vong Sho, who, uh, 
who's come to us from uh, Calgary. He's just been here the last couple of years and he's been doing um, what up, what up Toronto and fresh fruit. And, uh, and he has his, also his, uh, his rice uh, Asian comedians uh, showcase as well. And him and I do a great uh, podcast where we review queer movies called uh, you better represent. <laughs> so, That's so cool. I mean, I have, I better mention him or else yes. I'm in trouble. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of getting in trouble, you mentioned like the idea of having a safe space, uh, especially mm -hmm. to get this kind of community started. And I know that in like one of the central arguments in all of comedy is this debate between like going too far or certain topics yeah. are off limits. The classic, of course, dead babies or even the Holocaust, <laughs> right? Even though yeah. I know we're at this part of the dead babies part of the interview. But yeah, or like the Holocaust, I know even though Mel Brooks pulled off uh, Springtime for Hitler. Are there certain, yeah, yeah. are there certain like similar themes or positions within gay or queer comedy that prompts debate or certain gay experiences that are quote unquote like off limits or people like no nah, that's kind of frown on that like are there certain things like that as well? That's a great question. Yeah. So when when I say uh, something like safe space, I'm not. It's it's such an interesting concept because you really can't promise a safe space in comedy, like right. in stand up in particular. I think when I say safe space, it's like it's a space where where I know that as uh, a queer person or a gay person, I can go and I'm not going to hear about gay bashing or you know hear jokes that punch down at me. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's what I sort of mean by a queer safe space. Uh, that said, you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna censor a. a uh, comedians uh, material uh, when you're you know, when you're doing doing your set you're not on basically you're not going to be on a gay f show if I haven't seen you before because I have to know that you fit what my audience is going to enjoy you know just speaking from a producer's point of view mm -hmm. um, but is there when it comes to the idea of like are is there a topic that's off limits um, I think really uh, something that at least the community in Toronto feels uh, in regards to our queer comedians, they, they really just don't punch down is, is the idea. The idea of, um, you know, making fun of, of like say a disability or, you know, someone because of their race or any, anyone who, who is perhaps a segment of society that deals with enough shit already. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, a general rule. It's like, yeah, let's not, let's not do that. Like if I had someone, you know, come on my show and they started, you know, making fun of, you, you know, even just offhand, like, like saying, saying the R word or talking about someone with, you know, a, a mental disability or something. I, mm -hmm. that's, that's something where I'm like, I'm not going to laugh at that. So mm -hmm. that's not going to be on one of my, one of my shows. That said, that's what the open mics are for. Like try it out and you'll find out right away if an audience <laughs> hates it or not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, a couple of years back at Yuck Yucks, I saw a uh, com comic, and mm -hmm. uh, he was disabled. He was in a wheelchair, and he he rolled out, and he started making jokes immediately about how yeah. he never has to buy new shoes and things. <laughs> and, and it's just, it, it's very much his experiences, but you could see yeah. some people were just kind of uncomfortable and like, can we laugh at that? I'm like, he's the one making the jokes. I'm like, yeah, that's funny. Exactly. Like, you know, he's making fun of us for buying shoes. Like, I think that's funny. Um but yeah, like even just like I said, people were like uncomfortable and like, I don't know if I can laugh at the dude in the wheelchair. I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting because really like what a treat to have someone like that uh, come and do, do stand up and talk about their experience and how we can all laugh together. Because laughter should be the thing that brings us all together. Uh, I mean, we've become such a, a, a sensitive society mm -hmm. 
you know, out, outrage uh, culture is what I like to call it as opposed to cancel culture, mm-hmm. um, where people are, people are looking for the next thing to be upset about. And, um, you know, and that's why so many comedians, like people have said, like the, the, the current, you know, climate is really the death of comedy because people can take a joke out of context and decide that, you know, you're against this, that or the other and that, you know, you're a horrible person. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, that's taking, you, you know, taking something out of context and then putting all the emphasis on that five seconds of whatever someone didn't like, but people get really passionate about disliking things and finding, finding the reasons to dislike things. That's both on the left and right of the political spectrum. So it does make it very, uh, it's an interesting time to do comedy as a result. Uh, And I am, I am considerate of, of that, but I don't let it limit my comedy. Yeah, it makes sense. Because, I mean, I I know, like, I, I'm from Scarborough, so I hung out with, a, like, a number of um, minorities, like Chinese people, Indian people. Mm-hmm. So when we get together, um, we do, like, everyone kind of has their own kind of, they make fun of each of their cultural stereotypes, and, like, there's these kind of a cultural shorthands, right? Where, yeah. like, Italians always do this, and, like, and, like, and it's, but it's the people from that culture, right? So everyone knows what they're talking about, mm-hmm. and it's not like... I guess not like traditional racism. I guess it's like you know what I'm saying. Like, like yeah, know, it's like a, it's you know the experience. It's stereotyping. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's like stereo. And the funny thing I've and I've always thought stereotypes exist because enough people fit that stereotype. Right. Um, but uh, negative stereotypes, on the other hand, are are like you know someone taking something that a culture does and then and putting it negative and making it negative. Yeah. You know. Uh, whereas, you know, definitely like queer culture too has, you know, we have all, all of our, all of our lingo and our talking about drag race and, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) all the things, all the things we do as, as gay guys or like, and, you know, and then lesbian culture as well, you know, the, the, the jokes that lesbians make about, you know, getting into relationships so quickly you bring to the second date, what do you bring? You bring a U-Haul truck, you know, like, (laughs) and then, Like that, and that's an old joke. Yeah, oh my yeah. God, that's an old joke. But you know, it, it stands. And and you know, you can when we can laugh at ourselves, yeah. that's a great thing. But when we're making fun of others, that's where I mean, especially, you, it's just it's just a line to cross. And if you are going to be making fun of another segment of society, uh, I would say the wisest thing is to bring it. If you're going to talk comedy wise about that, you need to bring it back to you and how your misunderstanding is what's funny about it. You know, if you're going to venture that way as a comedian. Hmm. But, you know, I, I was I as my other job uh, that pays the bills, I was uh, working at a department store right downtown Toronto. Of course, I'm working with people of all sorts of different cultural backgrounds and they're they're saying things and laughing and having fun. I'm like, wow, I could never say that, <laughs> yeah. you know, and yeah. rightly so. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's your culture. Let let's hear your interpretation of it. You yeah, know? correct. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so, a couple more questions. Um, I know we are getting to the Courtyard Comedy Show, but I do want to ask one yeah. more question about this topic before we kind of move on. Oh, sure, please. Because Canada's best exports really are comedy and comics, right? Like, that's what we kind of, like, yeah. share the most with the world. And I know most people in terms of, like, uh, like the general population I'm talking about kind of only seems to know Scott Thompson in terms of our gay comics. Mm-hmm. Others like uh, Stephen Fry, Neil Patrick Harris, Wanda Sykes, like they're well known to Canadians, even though they're not Canadians. 
So yeah. for this, for the gay comics and the, the queer comedy scene you're talking about, is it important to tap into this like Canadian comedy pipeline and be part of this Canadian comedy tradition? Or is this about starting a new tradition, like something kind of different than what we've seen before from like quote unquote Canadian comedy? And I know you can't speak for the whole group, but just maybe from some of the conversations you've had with people or from some yeah. of your experiences. Well, I'm going to try to speak for everyone. Okay, go for it. <laughs> that's all I wanted, no. yeah. Just tell me what the I mean, final verdict is, and that's great. The goal of any any comedian is to to you know have a have an illustrious career as a comedian. So definitely, uh, because there is the, this great apparatus uh, in Canada that does nurture comedy, uh, whether you know whether it's through television uh, or specifically i'm talking about probably something like just for laughs out of montreal which really um is an international organization that always has a canadian component like they just had their uh jfl online and they were doing some live performances uh this uh this past weekend but they have new faces is one of the things that they do so the new faces of comedy so they're bringing out all these new comedians but then they have one session that's specifically new faces canada so canada is put at the same level as the new faces just in general across North America, but they get their own showcase, which I think is fantastic. Uh, I would love to see some of those Canadian names then slip onto ones where it's mostly Americans. That would be nice. Mm -hmm. uh, but mm -hmm. uh, there definitely is uh, a nurturing of comedy in Canada. I think simply because we have a tradition of so many funny people, that expectation of Canadians being funny has perpetuated uh canadian funny canadians being discovered you know uh you know even dan dan levy being discovered through schitt's creek about how funny he is and he's you know a queer uh actor who is playing a queer role on schitt's creek and incredibly funny mm -hmm. uh and you know people were really main you know a mainstream success absolutely we dream about that kind of success and hope and we do think that the current apparatus uh does help us but there's so many pathways to find success and i found for myself producing my own shows that are queer focused is has been a great thing because it's not just queer people that want to see it it's people that are tired of seeing everything else that's been that that's that's out there uh comedy wise and being like let's try something different let's see what these people are like you know and it, and it's great it's it's i think you're going to see more and more uh, queer comedians come come out of the pipeline, whether it's something they talk about in their routine or not. Um, I think you'll find there are more open queer comedians that are that are having success. Okay, and then so then speaking of producing your own shows, you have a show coming up. Courtyard oh, I sure comedy. do. Yeah. So can you give us a breakdown of what this is? This is a really unique setting as well. Yeah, I mean, well, we're still in a pandemic. So, you know, people are still sort of scared shitless about gatherings, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, even though places like uh, Comedy Bar and, and a lot of other places, indoor places, have limited opening, and we'll see, you know, I, I'm pessimistic, but I mean, most comedians are uh, <laughs> pessimistic that we're probably going to have a fourth wave that closes down at least events. Mm -hmm. Because there's just... Uh, enough idiots out there who aren't getting vaccinated uh which you know what no judgment <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you know as a result you know there's there's a segment of society that's going to be just like yeah we're ready to come back indoors and watch comedy and then there's some other people that aren't and uh, performers included so i wanted to do something since we've got this you know hopefully lovely weather <laughs> you know it's been a little bit touch and go in, uh, in ontario for weather uh this year but i'm you know august is always the the better month for sunshine i mm -hmm. find 
So we're doing afternoon shows outdoors at Campbell House Museum, which is a lovely, uh, you know, heritage house with a lovely large courtyard right in the middle of downtown Toronto. It's right at a major subway station at Osgoode Station, corner of Queen and University. We've, you know, we've got the whole outdoor setup. We're going to have distance seating and we've got uh, exclusive drink sponsorship from Cottage Springs Beverage Co. Who's offering like sampling for people. Like we're making this into an experience mm -hmm. for people to enjoy comedy. And we've got just the most amazing lineup of comedians that is a really diverse, inclusive lineup that's reflective of the the makeup of our city, which is the one thing that I've always tried to do, which is actually a little bit more difficult to do when you're trying to promote uh, specifically queer comedians, because uh, people from other uh, cultural backgrounds uh, have enough trouble just being gay. So imagine being a, a gay comedian. So it's like, yeah, and I'm going to talk about you too, mom and dad. <laughs> so so Courtyard Comedy uh, coming up, it's definitely it's uh, LGBTQ and ally comedians so you know people who are supportive of of queer people and also have their own distinct voice mm -hmm. uh to share uh with audiences so i'm i'm super super excited about this uh it's uh it's been the 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 response that i've been getting uh from people talking about this has been fantastic there it's it's great and all and our first three headliners are all uh women headliners that are just super funny don't ever tell me that women aren't funny there are a lot of Unfortunately, uh, I probably say straight white male comedians that go, women aren't funny. And I'm like, no, you're wrong. You're just an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> uh, do you want to mention the the three ladies that are headlining? Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. I, I better. Um, so uh, coming up on uh, August 7th uh, at 3 p.m., it's Elvira Kurt. And of course, uh, Elvira Kurt, who I mentioned earlier, is just an icon and uh, an amazing uh, comedian. Wow. Like, the, the they'll they'll show up and ha it, half their set is talking about what they've experienced on the day and i'm and i'm i'm busting a gut over it <laughs> um, on august 14th we've got martha chavez who is uh lgbtq uh and also uh nicaraguan canadian uh and she, uh, the way she talks about her experiences as uh as a queer person with that background is absolutely funny and and fast and she's she's a great mentor and friend of mine as well so i was really happy to have her on the show and mm -hmm. then on august 21st it's tamara siobhan uh who's a, a little bit more of a, a an up-and-coming comedian in regards to uh you know breaking out and just being huge but I, like she's so on the verge uh it's kind of ridiculous and she's also the head of education at uh bad dog theater which is a comedy theater here so she's also she's she's teaching teaching the youngins how to actually uh you know the ins and outs of comedy and been doing such a great job of it i was like let's elevate this voice so i'm really happy to have her and then our last show on the 28th is uh queer cornucopia it's uh all gay men or sorry all queer men uh all doing their you know being being their amazing funny gay selves and uh that's got ted morris and kyle brownrigg who are uh, kyle brownrigg just finished doing uh uh his uh a long long form special for jfl that's going to come out later in the year so I, I can't wait to hear the new material that he's going to give us that he was you you know honing for that so you know, it's just every show is going to is just a chock-a-block with with amazing performers and yes i did just say chock-a-block okay so <laughs> where can people find you online to hear more about this uh chock-a-block uh courtyard comedy show 
Yeah, so Gay AF Comedy uh, is the uh, handle. So it's just at Gay AF Comedy. You'll find it on Twitter, Instagram, and actually follow the Instagram because I, you know, everything queer, I, memes, uh, videos, things like that, uh, anything that you want. To, if you want a big gay laugh, go to Gay AF Comedy on Instagram. And you can also do Facebook.com slash Gay AF Comedy and you'll find all the info there. Although if you just want to link to the shows, it's Linktree slash Courtyard Comedy. All right. We covered quite a bit. We covered we did. Um, Jack Tripper, uh, that you like to use the word chock-a-block. Uh, yes. That <laughs> gay AF stands for anything that you want it to stand for. And that yeah. there we do have quite a flourishing uh, gay queer comedy scene in Toronto or in Canada. So that's really encouraging. Oh, so, yeah, it really is. Thanks. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we covered quite a bit, didn't we? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, okay. That's pretty. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's not bad for a patting work. myself on the back right there now. You go. Yeah, <laughs> you did all the heavy lifting, right? So, uh, thank oh, thanks, you, uh, thank you, Robert, just for hanging out and uh, talking about all this. And, and uh, it's neat to hear the different perspectives of the the comedy scene. Like, um, like I said, Canada is known for comedy. We do have Just for Laughs, and yeah. we have JFL Forty Two, and we have all these kind of things kind of going on. And it's just sometimes difficult to get to all the different. Um, comedy shows and see the different comics mm-hmm. and things that are going on uh, because there's so much to experience sometimes. Absolutely. And I, I know this isn't plugging myself, but if you, I mean, if you're looking for independent comedy of any sort in the city, uh, comedybar.ca uh, is another one. If you're just looking, if you want to find your niche for comedy, mm-hmm. Comedy Bar will have a show for you. And that's one of the places I go that that is where I put on my shows and they've been a great support me. So a big shout out to them. That's what I would say. Find your comedy. You'll find it at comedybar.ca too. Yeah. Fantastic venue. I've gone, I've gone to many shows there and it's always a good time. And that's also yeah. a great place to where like, you'll sometimes go to see like a comedian or a certain group or something. Um, yeah. And then you end up staying and then you f- discover a couple more people who are like, Oh, this dude's good. Like I'm in with this. dude, mm. Right. So, it's and then a- you can say, I knew him when, yes. you know? Yep. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a great place. I'm glad you plugged it. So, And I'm glad that it's open up and then uh, getting back on track following the pandemic. Yeah, me too. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, thanks so much, much Sammy. It's been, been great talking to you about this. Yo, I'm Sammy, and that was Robert Watson, producer and host of Courtyard Comedy. It will be nice to have live comedy every Saturday in August. Whew. On March 11, 2020, the NBA suspended the regular season, and that officially big-banged a significant lockdown. Movies, comedy clubs, sports, concerts, all of it went dark for months. As creators find a way to resume live experiences, it's imperative we don't take them or their talents for granted. To return to live shows is to spark gratitude and joy. What incredibly inspiring invitation to participate, either as a guest or as a performer. So yes, please check out Gay AF on social for details and go. Always go. As for my socials, they're all my summer layer for all three. My summer layer. The social question is, who are you determined to see? As live shows resume, and I'm talking bucket list here, who do you want to see before the big sleep? So good. Thank you for listening to me in a Netflix world. Gay AF comedy, yo.